Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they show it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted. By Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Wednesday night, we are here live with you for another episode of Shout, a Buffalo Pills football podcast. And shout out to Rick in the YouTube comments. I did have a little bit of a typo uh, when I put out the episode earlier today. You're joined today by Bill's Mafia co-creator, Del Reed, not Bill's Mafina, which uh, Rick had a little fun with that. Always joined by my co-host, Ryan Talbot. We're having a little fun tonight, boys. I me and Ryan were talking about uh, this week's episode a couple days ago, and you know, obviously, it's been a it's been a tough week for me. We lost our second dog, so it's been, you know, I've kind of been off the map for the last you know forty eight or so hours, and you know, I just wanted to bring on a friend. You know, get get you on here, Dell. Let's let's talk some bills. Let's talk some uh, twenty six shirts. Have some fun. We'll take Bills questions. Uh, but that's kind of where I'm at. And and you were like, I reached out to you. I think it was on Monday, and you're like, absolutely, let's do it. How are you, my friend? Awesome. Uh, great. You know, and I just said it to you a moment ago, but I'll say it one more time, dude. I, it sucks about your, your, your dog. I'm so sorry. You know, it's, I can peek, I can, I can brag a little bit. I got to meet both your dogs over the past, you know, several months. Good dogs, man. Good dogs. <laughs> Anyways, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, and yeah, let's talk about like bills. I'll make sure I know what I sound like. I, I know what I'm talking about. And let's do it. You guys are such experts. I'm so intimidated. I did a thing with cover <laughs> one a couple of years ago with uh, with Greg and Aaron. I must have said like 75 disclaimers. It was just I get I get so nervous. I get so intimidated. Like I get that imposter syndrome when I'm around you, you smart bills guys. Not no. First of all, so we want to bring you on here because a you bring that ultimate fan perspective. Like, you know, being in the know about everything, but you don't do this for a job. So it's kind of like that nice kind of mixture of things. And then, so don't feel any pressure. Like this is just, we're just, you know, a couple guys sitting around without a beer in our hands, but talking shop. And then um, Ryan, I saw a comment in here that we were a little lit, lit, late because we were in hair and makeup. So I think they did a good job on you. You're looking yeah. nice. Don't have to worry too, so much about the hair part of that portion. <laughs> I They can devote all that time to you and that that mane of yours. I, I kind of uh, shave it once a week and I'm good to go from there. 
So before we get into some Bill stuff, and thank you for for some of the folks in the comments uh, mentioning uh, my dog, and you can go check out pictures of it on on Twitter. I, I tweeted out some pictures of him, uh, some some late in uh, you know the run there. Uh, we got to get, we got to do a couple really good things with him, fun things last week. So that was great. Um, but I want to talk about Bills. I, I want to be distracted tonight, so let's get into all of that um, for sure. But before we do. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, if you're catching this live or on uh, replay, hit that subscribe button. We cruised past 2K this past week. Thank you so much. I'm so excited about everybody's excitement about the mini camp uh, episode because we didn't get a chance to see a lot out there, Ryan. But I think there was enough there, you know, to kind of get a, an early idea on a couple of these guys just from a stature perspective, you know, their demeanor out there. And it was a fun episode. We were able to talk a little bit about that. Um, hit the like button on this episode right now. And then, of course, subscribe if you haven't already. Um, 26 shirts, Mr. Dell Reed. Some big news recently. How long has it been? And tell uh, our, our watchers, our viewers, uh, a little bit about what's going on uh, at the company. Yeah, yeah. Uh, about eight days ago, you know, last Tuesday, we opened up our, you know, retail showroom, as we call it, uh, in TriMain Center. We moved to a new suite in TriMain Center because we outgrew the one we'd been in since day one. Um, so it's kind of it a little bittersweet leaving where we were, but this new space we have uh, is just, it's almost exactly twice the size that we had. It's naturally broken up into three areas. Uh, you know, we, we took over from a marketing firm that was in that place that had just put a bunch of time and effort and money into making it look real nice. And then COVID hit and then they went fully remote and they decided to stay that way. So we kind of slid in and it's nicer than anything I've ever, we've ever been able to, to work in. Um, and so we, that naturally in that little, uh, center spot of the suite. Uh, and Matt, I know you saw it, you were in a few weeks ago. Um, it just lends itself completely to just to having it. A, I call it the inverse kiosk. You go to the mall, you walk around the kiosk, you know, you look at all the different things. This one, you kind of walk inside of it and you can see the stuff on the walls hanging and everything. And, you know, we got stuff in the back, we'll run and grab for people, but we can, you know, show off some of the stuff we have, but it's been great, man. You know, we, uh, we, Opened up last Tuesday. I mean, we had a steady stream of people all last week. It, it was great. We had people coming in yesterday, today, you know, today's Wednesday, all my dates are messed up. But um, <laughs> it's been great. Every day we just have people coming in and just want to see the place, want to, you know, check out the shirts in person. Anybody who's ever met me uh, at a pop-up, you know, and I, we have the shirts on the table, I'll say, like, touch the shirts, touch them. They're, they, they feel really nice. I, I kind of <laughs> take a lot of pride in that because I'm a T-shirt snob, but I wouldn't sell someone crap. I wouldn't sell something I wouldn't wear myself. So they get to actually see the product themselves. And it's great just being able to, you know, interact with, you know, I guess their customers, but really I, I think of them as partners because we can't give this money if they don't buy the shirts. Um, so we get to meet all of our customers slash partners, you know, face to face. Um, it's awesome. It's, it's a new thing for us, uh, obviously, because we're almost strictly e-commerce, but now we have our own, you know, our own flag planted. It's really cool. And who knows what the, who, who knows what the future is going to, spring but it's you know it's really great to be doing this right now yeah and, and you're right the shirts are high quality they're fantastic you guys do an outstanding job with the designs i love the uh if you give a buffalo a chicken wing shirt uh, matt repping repping one right now but how exciting is it when a bills rookie in this case in, in greg Rousseau, comes along gets drafted and you find out within a day of him getting drafted maybe that his nickname is Gru. in terms of coming up with t-shirt designs does that make life that much easier for you guys when you when you get something like that? Oh, yeah, no doubt. Like, we had a design all set to go that was in a completely different direction. Um, and then all of a sudden, he does an interview, and 
you know, his name is, you know, he goes by Groot. And it's like, it's literally like, okay, stop the presses, you know, like call the one hours we were working with, like, dude, you're awesome. We love you. We're going in this direction instead. He's, you know, but you got to move quickly. But what was crazy was that that morning, his, one of his, uh, his, his marketing reps reached out to us and said, Hey, you know, we'd love to do a shirt with you guys. And we were like, um, yeah, that train's already left the station. He's like, hop on board, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And so we actually were able to like, you know, run it by Greg and make sure that he was cool with it, uh, that he liked the design. He loved it, you know. So we sent some to his family. Um, it, it was really, it's really cool. And it, it is absolutely surreal, you know, for a dude to be, you know, in the organization for literally less than 24 hours and have his reps like wanting to do stuff with us. It was, it was great. Uh, you know, and shout out to um, Teresa, who is Andre Reed's uh, promotions manager. She did. Uh, a great job of helping make that all happen as well too. So um, it's crazy, dude. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> and you know, you, anybody who follows me on Twitter knows that as much as I love the bills, that's pretty much as much as I love like Marvel movies and comics and everything as well. So for those two worlds to kind of like just sync up, was great. What is, what is that part of it? Like the creative process, like, I feel like you you juggle a lot of different things when it comes to that. Not only like the creative side of things, like coming up with good ideas, but you're also, I've noticed, inundated with ideas all the time. Like people tagging you guys like, oh, do this shirt, do this shirt. How does that process work to where you do kind of maybe gravitate to some of those ideas or or say no to some of those ideas? Take us inside the walls of 26 shirts of of kind of deciding what to do with all these different ideas. Well, first of all, and I'm not blowing smoke. Like it is an honor. Like it really is like humbling that like somebody has an idea, something happens and immediately they think of us and they, they want us to make that idea happen. Like that, I, I think I talked about this last time I was on there uh, with you guys that set that 49ers game, that Monday night game, like that was such an awesome game. So many, it was like, I mean, the bills won handily. So many cool things happened during that game between the Rockabye Beasley and just so many different things happened. Like we were inundated with ideas. And we actually ended up doing like three designs based off of one game. It, it was crazy. It was crazy. Um, but yeah, so people often will either tweet us, email us, shoot me a DM, you know, all these things. And uh, I don't, like I said, I don't take that for, for granted, but um, it really, uh, some of the ideas are good and some of them are so good. <laughs> <laughs> You know, if it's a good idea, if it's a good idea, um, you know, obviously we want, we'll work with either the, the, the person who had the concept or sometimes it's a fully fleshed out piece of artwork, like in, in the inbox. That's the best when you come in, you know, you fire up the laptop in the morning, there's something there waiting for you in your, your mail account. And like the artwork is done and the concept you never even thought of. And you're like, yeah, yeah, we'll run with this, <laughs> you know? Um, but so that, that's, that's great. And like I said, some of them aren't so hot. In which case, like, I never want to, I never want to just tell someone no, you know, or, or, or just be, unless there's like a very obvious reason, like we can't do that because it's an intellectual property nightmare, you know, cause we have to be really respectful of, you know, copyrights and, and trademarks and stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll do our best sometimes even like if it's a concept, we'll even do everything we can to make the artwork, even if we have to rebuild it from scratch, you know, I'd like to give that person as much credit as possible. Um, you know, where we will even give them the artwork credit, even if we had to do like most of the rework on it or, 
Um, if someone just gave us a basic concept, I make sure they at least get a shirt out of it. Um, but if we give them the artwork credit, then they get the full, you know, you know, the, the, the payment that we give artists and stuff too, because I really want 26 shirts to be something that's not just a cool t-shirt company because, you know, uh, Josh Allen jumps over a linebacker. And so we have to make a shirt about it and everybody wants to buy the shirt, but I want it to be something that is actually like a, not only just us putting out these designs and having people buy them and give to the community, but I want the community to participate in the blessing that you feel giving to the community. So as much as people want to contribute, whether it's through ideas, you know, uh, purchases, um, or even like we have, sometimes we'll, um, we'll have people actually, um, like do their own contests and stuff, you know? Um, and so, they'll say like, Hey, I'm giving away five of these shirts because they want to support the cause, you know, the, and they just do it themselves. We're like, thanks. Great. It's awesome that people want to use us to help other people feel better through a contest. I see the question about the, uh, the copyright for Groot. Um, yeah. Disney is very strict about it. And um, it's one of those things where we kind of ran with it. We didn't use exact, we didn't say Groot on it and we didn't, we did our best to make sure it wasn't exactly a Groot like reference. I mean, it's pretty close, but we were, we were we were careful to you know obfuscate it a little bit um but we didn't hear anything from it so you know from them you know who knows but um we're really we're really careful about that stuff as much especially i mean to be real like in terms of you know the teams and all that stuff when it gets into like the other things as well we're still obviously respectful we don't just like drop a picture of Groot and say here here's our shirt but um we the main concern is you don't want there to be confusion with someone who's looking at the shirt. You don't want, they don't want to think that it's a Disney shirt you, or that, you know, you don't want them to look at it and say, Oh, Disney made this shirt with it. No. So we try to change it up as much as possible. So it's obviously an homage or a reference, but it's not like, we're not just lifting their property and dropping it onto fabric and saying, here, here's our, you know, here's our take on it. So interesting. All the, all the moving parts to it, uh, being able to see behind the scenes. Cause there's so much, engagement one of the things i say all the time about 26 shirts just in general before i even came back to buffalo just watching from afar is the engagement with with the fan base and not only like you know the, the inclusion is is obviously a big part of it but just you know the daily part of it like you mentioned just people knowing the first thing to do when they have an idea is to tag 26 shirts is it's just super cool and you know i think that you, you know you guys are doing a great job uh we obviously got the shout shirts out and you know some people already want some shout shirts i got a bunch more to give out um, I'm a little bit delayed on mailing them out. That's going to happen next week. I just checked in with everybody today to, to, to give them an update on that. So that'll be excited. I can't wait to see those pictures, but let's get into some bill stuff here because, you know, we're in that, we're, we're almost to that lull of the off season. Like we have OTA still to come and we haven't heard necessarily what our access is going to be. You're looking around the league at some of the other teams, you know, the Miami dolphins. I mean, their media group is back in the building. Um, pretty much. And, you know, they're covering every day of practice. So I'm hoping next week, Monday and Tuesday, uh, they're on the schedule as the days that the bills will start OTAs that we'll be able to kind of go out there and, you know, bring you guys more content, more, you know, reactionary stuff. Cause that's one of the cool things about that piece, especially, you know, in this, during this pandemic where there's been limitations on media members, you know, there's been a lot of trust, you know, placed in us to, you know, be those eyes and ears on the ground and to bring that back to you guys. And that was a fun episode on Friday. So hopefully we can do a couple of those next week. Sal Capaccio, fresh back from vacation. He, shout out to Sal. He won his golf tournament for the first time in 20 years down in Florida. Um, very impressive stuff. 
Uh, he tweeted today, 75, uh, he had put out a report, 75 players are in Buffalo this week in preparation for phase three to begin next week, obviously with OTAs. Ryan, let's start with you. 75 players showing up already before next week even starts. Does that surprise you? I mean, it seems like we've been trending this way with reports from around the league and you know teams that have already held their OTAs or, or the first parts of it, but 75 players for the Bills, I mean, that seems like a high number. It does, but it doesn't surprise me at the same point. This is the team that was on the, the cusp of making it to the Super Bowl. Uh, you, you know, they started out hot in the AFC Championship game. They get out a little lead there, and then obviously we all know how it ends. But it, it's a team that knows they're close to reaching that pinnacle. And I think they know that every minute that they can have together gets them that one step closer. Whereas last year, they couldn't do that. They were doing everything virtually. Everything was over Zoom. Uh, it, it was an off season like none other. So to actually be in the same building with the guys, to be able to b- work on your rapport, to be able to work with your line coaches. We talked about that on Friday, how much these rookies are going to benefit from working with Eric Washington. And uh, on the other side of the lo- line, obviously, too, it, it works both ways. Having your coaches there for you to be able to critique your game. So I'm not shocked at all. I think that this is a team that really wants to show last year was no fluke and that they are a serious Super Bowl contender. Dell, how much are you plugged into this right now? Uh, you know, not only like traditionally, most years, not necessarily just 2021, but, you know, the mini camp, uh, rookie camp, OTAs, like where's your interest level lie and what do you kind of glean from it as, as you know, you know, the reporters are out there doing this stuff every day? Yeah, I, I read as much as I can, you know. Um, I, I, not every single day, you know, I'm, I, that I'm able to actually, you know, work it in, but, um, you know, I read most of your stuff. You can see, I share a lot of it through 26 shirts, uh, Twitter account. <laughs> I, I read a lot of your guys stuff, uh, Bill's wire is great just in terms of how they aggregate so many of the stories. And it's a, it's a great place to, to see what, what's being reported nationally and everything. Um, and then the athletic is great too. You know, they have a great app as well to track everything you've read. So, um, I do my best. I ca- kind of comes in bursts for me, you mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. I'll spend like a couple days, like catching up on the past few days of news. And then there'll be times where I'm like, holy crap, I haven't checked in on like, you know, some of the details of the news in like a couple weeks. I need to like get my act together a little bit. So a lot of it is just, you know, reading the timeline on Twitter because I'm on there enough. Um, and, you know, clicking all the different clickbait and finding out, you know, what national reporter or what PFF writer is <laughs> saying something stupid that week. Yeah, that's a that's a good point there in terms of what what you find this time of year. This time of year, it's kind of like those little blurbs that get found in articles, and then uh, sites run with that with those aggregated pieces. So the Bills right now are, are looking at kick returners. It seems like it seems like they're trying to bring in as much competition as possible. They lost Andre mm-hmm. Robertson free agency to the Houston Texans. Isaiah McKenzie's an internal option. Marquise Stevenson is an internal option, and now they're they're also working out some uh, some other options there too to see maybe if they're worth signing to a contract because the Bills have a few open roster spots. So, in your opinion, Dell, why do you think that the Bills are working out uh, more kick returners than just looking at who they already have on the roster? Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not sure. I think they have a really good idea in terms of like who they have on the roster, what they're able to do, especially in terms of Isaiah McKenzie, right? Um, but I think that. For, I mean, for all we know, they're just bringing people in to see how they're just sounds dumb saying it out when I say it out loud. It makes sense to me what I'm thinking, but like they're filling up time. You know, they're just are there, you know, there's dudes out there that have this skill set. Let's bring them in. So at least we know we're kicking the tires uh, on it, as many different players as possible so that even if they decide not to bring anybody in, 
you know, God forbid something happened during training camp to one of the guys that are on the roster, they've got a short list of, you know, of players that they can bring in in a pinch who at least they have a general idea in terms of their skill sets. They're not wasting precious training camp days trying guys out when they know like, oh, that, that, that guy doesn't feel anywhere near as well as this guy does, um, stuff like that. Yeah, when I saw the report and the reaction to the report that they uh, that the Bills uh, were working out, uh, Bidette, I believe, uh, his is his name. And mm-hmm. Ryan, you mentioned it on social media. He he, he played in the XFL, uh, got has some NFL experience. You know, the first thought in my mind was, look, look at the depth chart now. You know, Isaiah McKenzie. I know Brandon Powell's in the mix, Marquis Stevenson, and and potentially Bidette if they sign him. They're coming off of a two-year run with not only a pro bowler, but really an all-pro caliber kick returner. So this this group, led by Heath Farwell, they know where that level is that you know they're most likely going to drop down from. And so mm-hmm. I think that there's confidence in Isaiah McKenzie. I think that they're if they end up getting to September and he's gonna the guy that they run out there on kick and punt returns. I think that he will have earned the job, and I think that they were, there will be faith in him. I think they brought him back in large part because of the versatility and the ability to kind of do both, be that gadget guy, also contribute on special teams. But I also think they're going to throw as many darts at the wall as they can. You know, Powell drafting Stevenson where they did um, and, and potentially bringing in Bidette as well. They want to get a look at as many guys as they can because if they can find – you know, maybe some of those traits that an Andre Roberts showcased over the course. Of the, and let's be honest, nobody that they they bring into the mix this year most likely is going to be at the level of Andre Roberts. I know he didn't run back a single kick for a touchdown his entire time here in Buffalo in the two years that he was here. But man, it is such a special thing for an offense to be able to start you know, every drive at, on average at your own 30 yard line. I mean, you're, you're, you, Brian Dables talked about it. You just have to go less dif- distance every single time. And how many times, you know, w- with a game when last season where momentum was kind of hanging out there and a big return from Andre Roberts kind of flipped the script, yeah. the bills go a couple plays, they score a touchdown. That's a, that's a big deal. And I think they want to kind of try to find that and emulate it as much as they can, or maybe start to develop that next answer at that position. Maybe that's not Isaiah McKenzie. Maybe they got to bring in a bunch of guys to figure out who that, that person is going to be. I also think that no matter what they do this year, I do think they value that position. And I wouldn't be surprised if they spend more capital money or draft capital in the future at that position. Once the salary cap goes back to normal, right? Yeah, I know. I agree with that. And I saw it in the comments here from Matthew. Roberts was consistent. That's a good way of putting it. He'd get you to the 30. He'd have maybe one or two that'd get you to the 40. And the shorter the field position, the easier it seemed to be for Josh Allen and company to move the ball down the field and score. It's also a big deal when you have a kicker with a big leg like Tyler Bass, who uh, late in a game, whether you're talking 55, 60 yard range, someone that has the leg to do that, Roberts giving them that starting field position to make it more possible for a kick like that to be attempted uh, obviously helps out. So I agree the Bills are going to leave no stone unturned. That uh, Whether or not Jeff Bidette is the answer or whether it's someone else, I'm sure they're going to bring in a few more players between now and the regular season to see what they have in those players. One thing that I'm working on right now, I'm writing it as we speak, as we went on the air today, I took a little break um, from it, is – you know, obviously the kick returner situation, explaining this 
away a little bit more because I saw some comments. I can't remember where I did. I, I don't know if it was fan comments or what about, you know, maybe Stevenson not looking good in, in mini camp last year. I don't necessarily think that that was the, the case because a, I'm not even sure how much they ran special teams. They were running through some stuff uh, at the beginning of practice, but I don't know how much of, you know, they got the chance to look at Marquis Marcus Stevenson and have him actually run back kicks. They were going half speed and there was no contact. So it's hard to, you know, maybe judge him like too much from anything that happened at, at minicamp. I just think it's about, like they mentioned, you know, the darts and I'm writing about that a little bit, but also 87 roster spots are filled right now. There's four available because Christian Wade is still falls into that um, exempt role. And so you start thinking, well, okay, there's some cornerbacks out there, you know, and, and I think if you look across this roster, that's the one position maybe save for a tight end. But I think that tight end would have to be somebody of the Zach Ertz, you know, tier where you're actually bringing somebody that is a uh, no doubt about it or perceived no doubt about it upgrade over what you already have here. I think that, you know, Richard Sherman, um, Steven Nelson, and I also think this, and, and maybe, maybe people will disagree with me, Bashad Breeland is a guy I also throw in the mix there that, you know, you can make the case that they walk in here day one cornerback number two. And so from that perspective, you know, we saw a report last week from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN that 14 teams are interested in, in Steven Nelson, who the Pittsburgh Steelers cut uh, back in March because they were oh, they saved $8.25 million, a lot like what happened here in Buffalo with John Brown. Um, and so they moved in a different direction the final year of his contract. But he's a guy that's still going to probably command about that, uh, you know, seven to ten million dollar range. Really good cornerback. And, you know, the Bills are interested because the Bills, you know, can upgrade there. Let's get into Nelson, you know, in terms of fit and why hasn't he signed? Because I have some ideas on that. Del, do you want to go first with this? I have no idea why. <laughs> I, was, I like that honestly. I'm worried well, about the outset. I was like, I don't, I don't know. No, no, it's fine. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Well, I, I think players like Nelson, uh, Richard Sherman, they're smart first and foremost. I think they're sitting here and waiting because, one, they know that there's multiple teams interested in their services. Even Richard Sherman had four or five teams, 49ers, Seahawks, Raiders, and I'm blanking on the other one or two. So one, th there's already a market there for you. And maybe you're still not getting that money that you're wanting, but all it takes is one injury at training camp, one injury at an OTA for that demand for a cornerback to go up. And, and are either of these players cornerback one material? I don't think so. But if you lose your number one cornerback, would it be good to have a Steven Nelson or a Richard Sherman come in to help shore up your cornerback position? Absolutely. So I also think maybe it's the agent saying, hey, let's sit back and wait. Mm -hmm. One, yeah. you can miss these OTAs. Uh, I don't know of many players that like attending them and like go out of their way like, oh, it's OTA time. Let's pack up and go. Uh, but and two, it's just the money. Wait for that right deal to come along, because we've seen some patients pay off for some tackles lately for some offensive linemen. I think that the same can be said here for these cornerbacks waiting for the right amount of money to become open. Also, post-June 1st, cuts can take place, and that can free up some, obviously more so, future cap space, but you, they can also maneuver some money there. Two things happening for me with Nelson and a potential fit with the Bills. Number one, I don't think it's as easy 
as it probably appears on paper to come in here and, and, and win this cornerback two job. I think he probably, if he signs with Buffalo, I think that he eventually probably becomes the cornerback two, whether it means you have to continue to hold off Dane Jackson. I don't think he'd have a, a super tough time being out Levi Wallace, but he's the incumbent starter. He, he started a lot of games for this team. And Steven Nelson is coming off of a year where he was really, really good in 19, his first year with the Steelers. And I thought last year, his play dropped off a little bit. And, you know, I went back and I went through his pro football focus numbers and I know pro football focus. I mean, they just put out some nonsensical quarterback ranking piece where Josh Allen came in uh, number six after finishing number two in uh, the MVP voting last year. And I get it. There's an argument to be made for the entire body of work and, and all that. And I try to give PFF, you know, th there's things that definitely stand out about them that frustrate you from time to time. Um, you know, the Josh Allen saga is something that we've been pretty vocal about on this show uh, back in, you know, the, the glory days of it. But I do think that if you dive into the analytics of it, the numbers of it, there are some interesting things to take away from, especially more so than anything else when it comes to grades. Cause I think week to week grades, like, you know, we can get into that too, but the entire body of work, a full season where you take a player's grades through 16, 17, 18, 20 games, you get kind of an idea of how they played. And last year is arguably the worst year that Steven Nelson has had in three seasons. Now that Pittsburgh defense wasn't as good as it was the previous year, obviously issues up front, losing Bud Dupree, I think impacted that. And I think that that goes to show you what happened in Buffalo here, this, this off season and how they chose to attack things on the defensive side, building up front. If you're not good up front, it's going to impact yep. your secondary because that Steelers secondary was as good as anybody in the league talent wise last year. And we remember that bills game. I mean, they, they, they started off pretty strong, but after a while, you know, the bills broke through the better that the offense, the really good offense found a way to make plays. So I think that just the competition factor, if you're Steven Nelson sitting back and, and surveying your options, it's crazy to say because you think he comes in here and just wins that job, but I, I think that there's there's valid competition there, and I, I, I don't know if he wants that. I see he's liking a lot of stuff on on uh, Instagram or whatever, or Twitter, uh, uh, Philadelphia Eagles stuff. So that probably makes a little bit more sense, a path to a role, a defined role. Also, to your point, Ryan, before I get to number two, I'm, I'm interested to see how this works out for a lot of the players that do wait for you know OTAs and, and camp to be gone and try to pull – like a Cam Newton from last year. I mean, Cam Newton, a serious, serious veteran who's been in this game a long time, has been in multiple offenses. We saw what happened last year when he got a late start on things and never really could figure it out. If players are even the likes of Richard Sherman, who has also been in this league a long time, if they're hoping to kind of catch on in June or July, get into camp, pick up the scheme, start practicing, I think that they're going to be kind of in a tough spot when it comes to these really tight competition. So I think ultimately that's what could lead Nelson away from even considering the bills. And here's the second part, even if there's money, because I don't know if there is money. I mean, there's mm -hmm. about $3 million right now. The bills have to work with, I think, so they, they can move some things around. They can restructure Deion Dawkins or, you know, re even restructure another, another deal somehow, you know, we're going to get into it in a little while about this, this, this depth chart as we look at, we look at it as a whole and kind of break down what, what might be the toughest position group to, to, to really predict Mario Addison's contract. I mean, you can move on from that in June or July and save yourself a lot of money, even though there's been a, a vote of confidence from Brandon Bean. So I just think there's a lot of things at play, but I think that a lot like what happened with the UDFAs where, you know, the roster spot 
isn't guaranteed. I think that, that kind of applies to some of these uh, these unrestricted free agents, some of these higher profile names that could probably be looking at Buffalo in this stacked roster and saying, I'm good. I- I'm going to go somewhere else, even though it's a chance to win. No, that's a valid point. And you're right. Clear path to, to a job makes sense. Money makes sense. Uh, Albert Breer today said the Bills had like $3.74 million, so a little less than four. And, and that's not enough to get a Steven Nelson or a Richard Sherman unless they take a drastic pay cut. And Nelson, a few weeks ago, when asked about why he was still out there, he said it comes down to the money pretty much. So he, he wasn't shy about that. I don't see him all of a sudden changing his tune in that area. So, yeah, definitely a valid point there. Uh, interested to see what the Bills do when, when it comes to – adding another cornerback potentially. You mentioned Zach Ertz recently. Once again, um, there's a lot of talk about Philly just kind of waiting down here until June and possibly cutting Zach Ertz, which, you know, I think there was a window for them to trade him if that is the case, if they do end up cutting him, and then maybe it ends up looking kind of foolish that they didn't get anything for him, someone that can still be a high-level player in this league. But that's a wait-and-see situation all in itself. All right, Dell. I, I posed a question to, to you. I'm I'm working on my uh my 53 man roster projection. I think I'm probably going to come out with it Monday. Uh, kind of preview OTAs a little bit, uh, and then I'll put out another one after uh, minicamp uh, in in June. But you know, you start looking over this roster and this depth chart, and some of the the decisions that Brandon Bean. I mean, he set out this offseason to give himself headaches. In, in August when he has to make decisions at some of these positional uh, battles. I asked you to kind of look through and, and, and maybe take what you think is the, the toughest <coughs> call and, and you and you came away with the, the, the guard the guard competition. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, I don't know so much if it's about, you know, making the team or not, but in terms of who's going to be starting day one, I mean, you got Cody Ford, Forrest Lamp, and Mike Butker. Um, there's only one left guard position. <laughs> so right. um, those are three solid plays. I mean, Cody Ford, you know, ended up getting the Bills, you know, selected him pretty high a couple of years ago. He ended up getting hurt last year. Um, and then, you know, Bunker did a pretty good job filling in after Ford was injured. And then you bring in Forrest Lamp, who's struggled with injuries during his career. But um, now you guys are the draft experts and you can, you can, you know, I'm not because I keep trading out of spots in our, Dynasty draft because I have no idea who any of these rookies Ooh. are. <laughs> Ooh, we should we, we, we should have a little sidebar on that after we get it in a depth chart. All right, go ahead. Right, but 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 anyways, I say that because I guess Lamp was really highly regarded in the 2017 draft. Right. Um, so he struggled with injuries, but so you have like there's a lot of talent there. Some of it raw, some of it just hasn't had the opportunity to shine. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Um, at that position. I think the other positions on the line are kind of set. So um, with left guard, it's going to be interesting to see where that lands, you know, week one against uh, Pittsburgh. I think that's a great position personally to, to choose. And you mentioned it, Forrest Lamp. I mean, he's kind of like the, the Quinn Meaners of this year's draft where he made a lot of noise at the senior bowl, raised his stock there, ended up being a second round pick. And you're right. Injuries have just kind of plagued him. Uh, finally was healthy last year for the most part, played very well, uh, played well, I should say, maybe not very well. There's a reason why the Chargers let him go uh, and let him walk in free agency. So Lamp is in play. We're still waiting to see a healthy Cody Ford and what he can do on this line. Obviously, Brandon Bean is still a big fan of his based on some comments that he's made. Um, Ike Butker has played quite a bit, too. 
And then you even have some other players that have just kind of been waiting in the wings that you just never know. There's always that one surprise player that kind of comes along and gets some snaps uh, that could compete for that role as well. So it's really going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Indeed. I, I really like the interior offensive line. Just like the imagination that Bobby Johnson and Brian Dable can use with different combinations throughout training camp. And then like what that's going to tell us about how they're going to use that, that group once you get into the season, because there's got to be real mobility because if, when you go into the year, Mitch Morse is your starting center. I think they bring him back. That's, that's the plan. You got probably Feliciano at right guard. If Mitch Morse, you know, suffers an injury or, you know, heaven forbid another concussion, you know, that could be a long-term type of situation where Feliciano, to me, even though you have Ryan Bates on the roster, they're starting to work Jack Anderson in kind of a similar role. He's more of an interior player, can play both guard spots and center. Um, and a couple other players probably with center versatility as well. You know, Feliciano moves over to center probably in that scenario. And then who's going to step up and be that guard uh, after that? You mentioned Forrest Lamp. I think that's a really interesting uh name to watch to me Forrest Lamp this offseason he's like the John Feliciano of this offseason or you know even like a John Brown type of signing like those are guys that go completely under the radar and I know John Brown had a lot of success before he came to the Bills Forrest Lamp basically started 16 games last year and most Chargers fans would tell you he wasn't very good and so from what they've done in the league perspective not so much but I'm just talking about the expectations for not only Bills fans, but like, you know, NFL insiders in general. When John Brown signed with the Bills, it was just like, yeah, that's a nice little piece. And he ended up being, I think he put together the 14th best season in Bills history in 2019. So I think Forrest Lamp has that potential. The problem for him now is the roster that he's arriving at. And it's going to be really tough to break through because I think Cody Ford is going to be given every opportunity to start at left guard. And I also think Ike Bucker showed last year that, it wasn't too big for him, and he's ready to go in whenever they ask him to. But let's flip sides to the defensive line because that's where, where you want to take a look at, Ryan. Yeah, I'm saying defensive end is just stacked, and it's just such a tough decision because in the last two years, the Bills have used high picks on A.J. Epinesa, on Boogie Basham, on Greg Rousseau. So obvious, And obviously, they're all on this roster. They're locks. You have Jerry Hughes. You have Mario Edison, both over 30, both in the final year of their contract. I would be surprised if Hughes went, but I think that one of them could be the odd man out based on their salary, based on the fact that they want to get younger that position, uh, and, and based on the whole salary cap aspect of it, they would save some money parting ways with one of those players. But e- even beyond that, you have Daryl Johnson. Daryl Johnson, who uh, has played in a depth role at defensive end and really made his living as a special teams player and a very good special teams player at that. What do you do about him now? Because there's only so many roster spots you can you can have at that defensive end position. They signed F.A. Obata in free agency, uh, maybe the most successful international pathway player, first to make a 53-man roster, had the best season of his career last year in Carolina, uh, obviously knows the defensive line coach, Eric Washington, from their time in, in Carolina together. So there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about him in Buffalo, but at the same time, there's only so many spots to go around. Now, Rousseau, Boogie Basham, they give you that versatility where they can kick inside, but you don't want your two defensive ends that you drafted to be defensive ends playing kicked inside too much. You want them on maybe obvi- obvious pass rush situations, kick one of them inside, 
then you could have your Addison, your Hughes on the outside, Ed Oliver on the inside next to one of them. Uh, so it's all going to be situational. But, yeah, there's only so many spots that the Bills have at defensive end, and there's so much talent there. And that's not even counting some of these guys that were on the practice squad the last few years that really face a- an uphill battle like a Brian Cox Jr. or a Mike Love. Let's uh, let's divert here for a second. I want to get into the sidebar because we we have been in the midst of our rookie uh, dynasty league draft. There's been some shenanigans in the last 24 hours, and um, I'm not super familiar with the shenanigans. To be honest with you, I just saw some 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 up, upheaval in the in the comment section, and uh, I guess uh, it's being worked out as we speak here. Now, what what's your take so far, Dal? We're a year in. Who actually won this thing? Because I can't remember now. <laughs> Who won year one? As soon Bruce. as Geary, Bruce, no, Bruce. of course he did. Who, 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 um, who did he, who did he beat in the championship? Who, who made it all the way, but didn't quite win the championship, but they made it pretty far. Was it Nate? No, I think, yeah. it, no, I don't think it was Nate. It's my claim is I actually, I, I hung, I hung with you guys for an entire season. Now it's going to get tough because all these dudes are entering through the draft and everything. And I have no idea who half these guys are. <laughs> You know, I, Chris Trapasso had like 75 picks in this these four-round rookie draft. I think he drafted like half the players entering the league. We um, should have known, too. We should have known that, too, as he started, you know, offering dude, he started all these a wide trades. He's the draft guy. At, at, at the end of the season last year, he was starting a wide receiver at quarterback. Like, <laughs> he was like not even shamed. There was no shame <laughs> with him when it came to tanking. Like that dude tanked. Like he could teach Hard. the savers some lessons, you know. Like, <laughs> ah, man. But I, yeah, I actually, do, uh, I do have to talk to um, Nate about this website. Like, I'm lining it. I'm I'm bringing it up on my um, desktop here, and it's brutal. I can't figure out how to see other people's roster. It's oh, called dude, Sleeper. Yeah. I like it on the app, but I don't like it on the desktop. Mm. Um, yeah. I lost the gear. Definitely made last for year. a mobile experience. Yes, I yeah. lost the Geary. In like the first round of the playoffs, my team was much better. I'm actually just embarrassed about it. And that's why I said I think he made it to the championship because I was hoping that at least he made it to the championship. But then I remembered <laughs> that you you did. So uh that's good. Ryan, who did you who did you get in the first round? I didn't have a first round pick because I traded it to Trapasso for uh Aaron Jones last year as I was trying to make a run at a title, which was thwarted in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, I ended up with Travis Etienne and I was just uh heartbroken last year and I'm, I'm still not almost ready to talk about it. I was playing Bruce in the semifinals and Derek Carr got injured in that game like one series in had I had a regular quarterback output I would have beaten him in that game I, I lost by less than 20 points to him and of course Derek Carr gets injured after one series in that matchup I had Kirk Cousins sitting on the bench and he ended up with like 30 points that week of course the one week that Kirk Cousins performs well uh, so I, I was still hurt about that. I had traded Bruce Aaron Rodgers earlier in the season. So I made a lot of mistakes last year thinking about it as a dynasty draft long term. But live and learn. Uh, happy to get Travis Etienne in here. Grab Kellen Mond later in the draft as a backup option, a future option there uh, behind Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. So we'll, we'll let him sit for a year and see what he becomes. Speaking of, so, go ahead, go ahead, Dal. Oh, no, I, I, I want to yell, Ryan. Dude, I was just about to draft him. You were one pick ahead of me. That's why I I, I, I traded out. I, was like, <laughs> I traded up to three, and then I traded out of it because these picks, there's so much time in between picks that, like, I just get my ADD kicks in. I trade up to three. I'm like, oh, well, now I'll trade out of it. I've had so much time to think about it. And so, I'm like, uh, at my spot, 
where it was originally like 11 or whatever, and you picked 10, ETN right ahead of me, and I was watching him fall, fall, fall. I'm like, this is going to be so perfect. And then when that happened, I was like, I'm out. And I, I, tra- I, forget, I, traded, I traded away to, uh, to Joe DiBiase for uh, Kareem Hunt. So yeah. Least, and it's nuts. The, the, the super flex leagues are nuts because, you know, you, you can start two quarterbacks. Uh, so there, there's always going to be a run on quarterbacks early in this round. So four of them went. I wasn't sold on Mac Jones. So ETN fell right into my lap, and I just said you, you almost have to take him at that point. This poor audience is like, dudes, we don't care about you. <laughs> we fantasy. don't care about your <laughs> roster. <laughs> there was uh, there was one good question in here though uh, that I wanted to hit before we, we we wrap this thing up. Which defensive lineman would you trade for Zach Ertz? And now, first and foremost, I'm not necessarily sure that that gets it done. But in a s- situation where you can maybe deal you know, a later, a day three pick and a defensive lineman, who makes sense in a deal to, to try to get Zach Ertz? And do you do that deal? Do you want – how badly do you want Zach Ertz? Because I feel like I teeter-totter on, like, the Zach Ertz um, – what are those things called? Um what are those things? Literally, yeah. Or a teeter totter. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was trying to use both terms. I'm teeter tottering. What's that thing called? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Okay, I already said it. Um, but I feel like I go back and forth. I feel like there's, you know, you, you talk yourself into it, and then you talk, you think about the injuries, and you think about, you know, the lack of production with Carson Wentz, and you know, I know that you know Josh Allen is trending um, in this really nice direction, but you know, who's to say that you know? in a situation where you go all in and you bring in Zach Ertz and, you know, Josh Allen, I, I don't even want to say, cause I know Bill's fans will get all, uh, you know, real emotion in their feelings in the, in the comments. But if, if there is a bit of a regression or, or, or something like that, I don't foresee it, but if there is one, you know, I, I don't think anybody foresaw Carson Wentz absolutely falling to the, the depths of bad that he fell to after that MVP caliber season, before he got hurt, um, things happen in this league. So, I just don't know how much of a you know difference maker Zach Ertz is specifically in this offense, but if you're going to make the deal, who do you who who do you send it in terms of defensive lineman? Dell, do you want to go first? I have no idea who you would send because um, I, I, I Zach Ertz is how old? He's thirty. 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 Only thirty. Okay, I thought he was older than that. Yeah. So for me personally. Yeah, <laughs> I would have to look at the dead cap, but I would be willing to move one of the, uh, an Addison or I, I'm not sure I'm, I like Hughes too much to say Hughes, but it, if it works out financially where you're sending about the same amount back and the dead cap isn't high. Cause I need to look at both of them. I I'm not anticipating them trading one of those players, but uh, the whole cap part of it plays into it in my opinion. And Zach Ertz with the salary that he'd be coming in you'd want to have a wash there almost. So I guess I would say Mario Addison, does that move the needle for the Eagles? I don't know. Uh, Obviously up there in age, but final year of a contract. So you could part ways with them after, if you feel like defensive end is an area that you're lacking, it's just a one year deal. You are getting rid of a contract that you plan on getting rid of. So that might be enough to do it for the Eagles. Interesting stuff. I, I think there's more to come. I mean, Brandon Bean was not shy about talking. He, he appeared two times on, on WGR after the draft, and he spoke both times about, you know, being a shopper on a limited budget. And, you know, there's still moves that can be made financially to get this cap to where they need it to be to make a move. 
And it's weird. Like I, in the last two years, I mean, going into this time of year, there was still plenty of money available and he likes to set that, th set things up that way. So he, he has some mobility and able to make some moves, but we'll see how this thing goes. Del Reed coming through on short notice, uh, fun show, hanging out. Uh, we gotta get over to the house at some point. We'll do a, uh, do some drinks out on the new patio. We just put a patio in the back and I gotta, I gotta set it up. I, I'd invite Ryan too, but you know, we'll have to schedule it when he's going to be in town. Yeah. That whole drive is, it's a lot. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Man. Get, like, so fun. Oh yeah. Well, let's get one of those cardboard cutouts of Ryan or something like that. Like, <laughs> yes. You know? With his <laughs> office you know, coffee mug. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No guys, thank you so much for having me. I always, I really enjoy hanging out with you guys and just, shooting the breeze and talking bills and whatever else, you know, anytime, anytime the opportunity is there, you know, I'm going to hop on and, and chat with you guys. So I always appreciate it. Get over to 26 shirts. The retail store is wide open. Um, it, it's, it's awesome. It's a cool thing to kind of get in there, take a look behind the scenes. You can see into the, the big shirt room off the, or can you still see into that? Am I giving away? Yeah. There's, cur there's curtains. We we don't really actively encourage people to like poke their head in the curtains yeah, in the office yeah. area, the area, but you know, if you ask nicely, we might, we might let you peek in there and take a look. Yeah. I, I thought that that was fun to kind of see all of the, you know, the, the shirts behind the scenes. Like you walk in there and there's just like all of these like shelves of shirts everywhere, which, you know, it's a shirt store. So obviously, but the, the retail store, I'm excited to get back there now that it's up and running, see some people in there. Uh, we can go places without masks now, which is awesome. Uh, Ryan, hit us with your final thought before we get out of here. Yeah, final thought. Looking forward to next week. Like you said, hopefully you can be there up close and personal. Uh, the Bills fans are just excited for any kind of football content there is. And keep your eyes locked on nyup.com, syracuse.com, and the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast for all of that news early next week. All right, boys. Bills Mafia, hang in there. We'll see you next week. Hopefully, like Ryan said, with some OTA action. Have a great night, everyone.